Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And this week on Screen Verdict, we're going to be reviewing Wilfred. What? No, we're not. We're not? We just saw that movie with the furry pet guy that smokes the bongs, makes all the rude wisecracks. No, that's that's a TV show that we've already reviewed. Um, yeah, they did the movie of it. No, it's we're doing Ted. Oh. Ted. It's about, like, the furry uh, animal that smokes... Like, it's a bear, though. You're kind of just repeating what I said. This isn't yeah. helping clarify. <laughs> so it's the yeah. bear and who? Who's the... Isn't a it? Guy. Well, no, Matt Wahlberg. Oh, okay. Matt Wahlberg. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. I was Elijah Wood was looking very big. He packed on some serious <laughs> some serious mess. Yeah. Not as cute as you, you described him in, in yeah. our uh, second podcast. <laughs> So we're going to be talking about Ted. Yes. The first film from uh, Family Guy creator Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Apparently it's got Mark Wahlberg, not Elijah Wood. No. Uh, it's got Mila Kunis. Yes. And Seth MacFarlane playing a talking teddy bear. Mm. Ted. Yes. So what goes down in Ted, Matt? What's, what's it about? What do these three crazy characters get up to? Okay. It's a movie about a small child who gets a teddy bear for Christmas. It's a win. It's a home run gift. He loves it. <laughs> he loves it. Good job. And uh, he makes a wish one night for that teddy bear to be real. Uh, the movie uh, says that eight-year-old wishes always come true. So the teddy bear the next morning is real. Becomes a bit of a celebrity because he's a talking teddy bear. Unusual. <laughs> um, but then he's sort of like, Fame sort of is fleeting, so he's not a celebrity anymore. And we flash forward to both of them as adults living in an apartment together, doing a lot of uh, bongs and and just chatting, a lot of bludging, not much stuff going on. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is the boy. He's got a girlfriend, Mill and Akunas. And that's pretty much the premise of the film. <laughs> What I liked was in the sort of montage of him aging, they got sort of like an older kid, and then the teenager was just Mark Wahlberg with his hat on backwards. <laughs> you're like, apparently, if you put your hat on backwards, it takes off 20 years. Yeah. Mm. What I also thought was interesting, and you can help me with this, is when it, while we're on like him as a kid and things, it says like the eight-year-old boys make wishes, like they sort of come true. Like it's the best kind of wish you can make. <laughs> Why is Ted the only talking teddy bear? <laughs> like, wouldn't other kids have been making similar types of wishes? Like, why did it work for this kid and not other kids? Yeah, I don't think they all do always come true. I think things just seem to work out for Marky Mark. Yeah. Like, if, if you're Marky Mark, your wishes will come true. <laughs> you will have a good life if you're Marky Mark. Uh for the rest of us, uh, our teddy bears didn't become real. Yeah, because, like, I'm sure the bear would have had to, like, you know, he went on Carson and things like that, sort of, oh, why are you a real bear? Well, uh, they wished that I would be, and a lot of kids would have gone, oh, maybe I wish that my teddy bear's real too. I feel like the film didn't spend a lot of time explaining why the teddy bear became real. No, exactly, that's why I've got questions about it. They didn't explain it in the movie. Could you explain it? Do you think Do you think the writers of the film could have came up with an explanation that you would believe for a, <laughs> for a stuffed teddy bear to become real? Probably not. Yeah, I think that's why they glazed over okay. it in the actual film. 
And I guess that's not really what the film's about. The film is really about the relationship of the three main characters, Ted and Mark Wahlberg's friendship and um, the relationship between Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis and her her perception that the bear is a drain, that Ted is a drain on that relationship and getting in the way of them being happy. So yeah, her and Mark Wahlberg have been together for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. She's pretty successful. She got a pretty good job lined up. Yeah. Her life's kind of going in a fairly adult direction, mm-hmm. whereas he is kind of a bit lazing around a bit, doesn't necessarily have that forward drive that she does. Mm. And because he likes just bumming around with Ted, she feels like, even though she likes Ted, that she, he's perhaps holding Mark Wahlberg back. Mm. And so it's about Mark Wahlberg trying to balance being lazy and having fun with Ted and going ahead in his life and his relationship with Mila Kunis. Yes. So because the film's so heavily focused on these characters, we have to be pretty interested in them, care about them. Mm-hmm. What do we think about these people? Mark Wahlberg. Do we like Mark Wahlberg? I think so. He's in some ways of the three characters the one you're with the most. Like, if you were to say there was a lead to this movie, it might be him, uh, despite his the film being called after the Ted Ebert. Uh, Do you think the film would have done as well if it was called Mark? No. No, I think Ted's a better name. So uh, he's the one we're sort of following a lot. I think he's somewhat likeable. I I sort of, uh, in a couple of the incidents, can really empathise with his character. But he is a little lazy. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to relate to his character. Though I think myself and perhaps the main demographic of the film are much younger than him. It's sort of okay if you're 23 just to be bumming around. Yeah, 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 yes. I think he's supposed to be 35. I think at some point in the film you go, "Mm, you probably should be doing something with your life Mm. and sort of pushing ahead with this girl. Yeah. Well, he's got a promotion lined up at the car rental place where he works. So I guess he's sort of moving up a little bit, although he doesn't seem that focused on the promotion. It's more just about not stuffing up before yeah. he gets a promotion, just making sure he turns up on time enough to still get it. And sober enough. <laughs> I found it really weird at the car rental place that he worked at. There was a girl that worked there, and she was pretty attractive for a girl that served no role in the story at all. <laughs> Like, did you find that? Like, I, I thought, oh, she's a pretty attractive girl be working at a car rental place. I'm assuming they might go somewhere with this. I think that could be just the producing power of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. The standard of extras they get for Entourage is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Usually when you see a girl like that in a film, you think, oh, she's going to be a character. But yeah. no, nah, that's just the pulling power that Mark Wahlberg can just get in to add to the set. Mm. I thought that they were going to go somewhere with that. And there's going to be maybe a thing with this girl that would perhaps ruin the relationship with Mila Kunis. And I'm glad they didn't do that. I think I would have found that kind of annoying. Yeah. And the car rental place also seemed to have Patrick Warburton working there to bring a few... He's from the Rules of Engagement. Played Putty on Seinfeld. Yeah. I thought he was pretty good. He was a good side character that brought Mm. a few laughs in these Mark Wahlberg at work scenes. Mm. With him just... Going out late at night and then leaving Mark Wahlberg weird messages. Yeah. Unsure whether he's gay or not. Yeah. He was pretty good. So what about Ted? Did we like Ted? Ted the talking teddy bear. Ted was definitely the funniest character in the movie. He had the wisecracks. He did the craziest stuff out of everyone. 
Uh, it definitely would have been a boring movie without Ted. <laughs> yeah, I like Ted and uh, and his one-liners that he brought to it. He got the story going. He got sort of the the humour going. A lot of what Ted was about was sexual. And I was yeah. a bit curious mm-hmm. to figure yeah. how that worked. Because yeah. mm-hmm. even in the film, we have Nora Jones referring to how good Ted is in bed for someone without a penis. Yeah. If he doesn't have a penis, you gotta you got to wonder what's going on here. Because he was in a fa- involved in a fair amount of, like, sex scenes, sexual yeah. jokes. Mm. Something else they just glazed over yeah. in the film, how that works. So I'm assuming he went down on her a lot. <laughs> like, because his mouth worked. So just a generous guy, Ted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, he's pretty pretty keen for someone that's not getting anything in return. Yeah, it is very weird that like he spends a lot of money on hookers and things like that when he's really not getting anything out of it. Like is he just <laughs> wanting to like uh economically help these women who are <laughs> obviously run into a bit of a bit of hard times. Uh like Here's a question. Is Ted considered in, in the law a human or an animal? I'm going to say human. I feel like yeah. Ted could get arrested. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if Ted yeah. got drunk and crashed a car, that yeah. he would get in trouble for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to say human. Like, it's not bestiality for sleeping with Ted. <laughs> even though he's a teddy bear. Like, he's a bear... But since he talks like a person, does things like a person, he is considered a person under the law. Yeah. Well, if a real bear could talk, I think that would still be bestiality. Yeah. Because it's a soft toy teddy bear, stuffed teddy bear that can talk. Yeah. I think you could get away with it. Is it okay then that he's like allowed to walk around without clothes? (laughs) Like... I guess he doesn't have a penis. Yeah, that's that's probably yeah. the one plus side yeah. of not having a penis. You can just walk around without clothes if you don't feel like it. Yeah, I feel like if a human didn't have a penis, they still wouldn't be allowed to walk around without <laughs> clothes on. <laughs> well, I'm sure as that our, could be worse. I'm that sh- could be much more disturbing. I'm, sh- I'm sure as our female listeners could attest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a bit bizarre. Would would. Killing Ted be murder? I think so. You can't kill Ted. Mm. Yeah, I'd be picketing outside the uh, the courthouse for the, the the death penalty if someone yeah. killed Ted. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit um a bit unusual. I guess I guess he's sort of part animal, part human, part like inanimate object. <laughs> like if he's got the rights of a human, does anyone own Ted? Like does Mark Wahlberg own Ted because his parents? paid for him in a shop. Hmm, this is interesting. Well, it comes up in the film that someone mm. wants to buy Ted. Buy Ted, yeah. Off Mark Wahlberg. Could Mark Wahlberg He do doesn't that? want him yeah. to be for sale. Mm. Ted doesn't want to be for sale. I feel like if he can get a job and he has, like, a social security number and pays mm. taxes and yeah. things, you can't really buy that person. Yeah. So it's like a free person. So a bit of a bad deal for the parents who bought a product, <laughs> thinking they'd be able to own it or their kid would own that product. And then that becomes independent. Yeah, it just walks away. Yeah, it just walks away. <laughs> Gets a job, moves out of town. Mm. Yeah. So we liked it. He was funny. But he was also, at times, a bad influence. Caused trouble. Caused shenanigans. Mm. Which I think the film needed. Yeah. boring film without shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. If you have a film with a talking teddy bear smoking weed all the time and there are no shenanigans, 
<laughs> I feel like you've not lived up to the potential yes. of that film premise. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I guess one of the big scenes in the film is where Ted and Mark Wahlberg fight. Yeah, that was a pretty good scene. It was a pretty mm. full-on fight. You'd think yeah. Teddy Bear wouldn't necessarily be able to hit that hard, mm. but uh, they did some good animation, some good sound effects. Mm. For that to actually be like a pretty brutal, pretty full-on uh, yeah. fist fight between Mark Wahlberg and Ted. Yeah, it was very violent. It reminded me of some scenes of Family Guy that just go on and on and on, <laughs> uh, very over-the-top, very good. But it was funny, and it worked, I think, pretty well. So that's a bit about Ted. The third character we have is Mila Kunis. Yes. Are you a fan of Mila Kunis? Uh, yeah, I like Mila Kunis. Uh, she uh, was great in The Black Swan. Loved her in The Swan. <laughs> um, yeah, no, she was fantastic in that. I am not a big fan of that 70s show. Um, <laughs> I'm putting that out there. But I think she was one of the better people on that show. That she was fairly funny in that. Uh, yeah, I haven't really seen her much else, to be honest. But, yeah, from what I've seen, she's pretty good. Yeah, I like her. She seems pretty cool. She can be quite funny. I love The Black Swan as well. That was one of my favourite films that year. Mm. I think people give her a bit too much credit for being attractive. Like, she has a lot of the buzz, a lot of the hype at the moment. People go, oh, I love Mila Kunis. And, like, I kind of always struggle to think what she's actually been <laughs> in that's, that's that good for people to like her so much. Just Benefits, man. Or Friends with Benefits, whatever that movie's mm. called. Um, Did you see No Strings Attached? Because I think they were the exact same film, just with different actors. <laughs> with the other girl from The Black Swan. Sometimes things seem to come out in twos. You've got No Strings Attached, Friends with Benefits. You've got The Prestige and The Illusionist. Yeah. You've got Finding Nemo and Shark Tale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure which was the good one out of those two. Um, Finding Nemo. <laughs> But anyway, Mila Kunis, I quite liked her in this film. I thought she had some funny lines. I think she gave a decent performance. I thought the character was a little thin. I think you can tell this film was written by dudes. Mm. And the female character is kind of just there to relate to character developments for or plot developments for Mark Wahlberg's character. And we get a bit of an insight into her and we have scenes of her away from him and how she deals with her sleazy boss, Joel McHale, (laughs) who I thought was quite funny. But I didn't think there was that much to the character. No, she's definitely the third wheel in this film um, in terms of content provided. Did you find her annoying that she was trying to break up the Ted Wahlberg relationship or did you actually see where she was coming from? I think one or two of the things she got upset over, it was a little bit of an overreaction. Like, it was more just like, this is not okay, you need to fix this, rather than just crying and thinking that maybe the relationship was over. But in principle, I agreed with most of what she was saying. Okay, yeah. So that that's good, because quite a few of these shows and movies that we do, we often do not like the the girl that sort of is a bit of the Debbie Downer of the movie. The one who is like the, uh, I guess, the Skylar White character. Who's like, I don't like what you're doing. You need to change. I'm upset with you. We usually don't like it. So the fact that we can at least understand where Mila Kunis was coming was a good thing. Like, I'm, put, I'm trying to put myself in Mark Wahlberg's shoes. Because of the three characters, I think that's the one that I would probably be. Right? Because <laughs> you're not a female or a talking teddy bear. You're a dude. Yeah, that's true. You'd be, you'd be, if you were in the movie, you'd be the dude character. Yeah. All right, yeah. that makes sense. I yeah, can follow. Yeah. So the, if I have a friend who I'm hanging out with a lot, maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> is this where you reveal that like I've been dragging you down? <laughs> Matt Noble hasn't been able to flourish in life because of his his loser friend Jonathan. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say anything. But... <laughs> but no, no. Okay, so I've got a friend I'm hanging out with a lot, or maybe a couple of friends I'm hanging out with a lot, and the girlfriend's coming to me complaining. I can definitely imagine scenarios where that girl would be out of line. Okay. You've de- we've definitely all seen people in, in relationships and couples that cut themselves off from their friends when they get in that relationship, and that's not a good thing. But I think in the, this film's case, Ted is being crossing the line in what he's demanding of, of Mark Wahlberg. Because, and I think this is maybe why we like Mila Kunis and, and can empathize with her character, she's letting Ted live with them. <laughs> For years. She's letting Ted live with them. And it's not even initially that she minds Ted living with them. Like, if Ted had been a better house guest and not brought hookers around to to poo on the carpet and things <laughs> like that, she probably still would have been fine with Ted living with them. I think it shows something that about how reasonable her requests are, that yeah. Ted actually agrees to it. Ted doesn't really disagree or put up much of a yeah. fight. The things that keep bring Mark Wahlberg away or back are Mm. sort of one-off instances that sort of get out of hand. Yes. As opposed to Ted Mm. disagreeing with the situation as a whole. Mm. Now, this film was written by Seth MacFarlane, creator of Family Guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've heard of this show. People seem to like it. Yeah. It's been around for a while. Do you like Family Guy, Matt? It's interesting. Uh, when I first started watching Family Guy, I did quite enjoy the show and, and find it funny and amusing and definitely found it... Uh, I was getting a bit sick of The Simpsons at the time, so it's sort of a bit of a... something a bit fresher, a little similar in some ways, but different in other ways with their style of humour and things. So I was enjoying it, and then I sort of got a bit sick of it. I felt like it was... Uh, getting a little bit over the top, not necessarily by crossing lines or anything, but just like seeing like every episode had to be on some big political issue and things. I was like, well, this isn't Boston legal. Let's, <laughs> you know, let's take it. Let, let's just try to do the funny stuff. Um, so I sort of got a bit over it and a bit sick of it, but like I've recently started watching a bit more. And since I, I think I've had a few years away from family guy, I'm starting to enjoy it again. What I love about family guy. And I think a real strength of it is uh, I'm a big fan of TV and I think you can tell that the writers are big fans of TV too because of all the references to old shows and not just current pop culture things that they reference, but TV from like 20, 30 years ago. They like they seem to have an understanding for the medium they're on and an appreciation for it. And it's always nice to see those little nods to old TV actors and old shows and things like that. But they, it is a show that is fairly hit or miss with their humour. And they do drag jokes on quite long, which sometimes works, but maybe more often than not does not. Yeah, I've never really been a big fan of Family Guy, and I definitely didn't get into some of the other side projects like American Dad or The Cleveland Show. I think the jokes are really hit or miss. It's a really gaggy show. I think it can be funny, but the misses are actually annoying. Sometimes I just get Mm. irritated by the show, and the jokes are just drag on for Mm. minutes. So I find incredibly frustrating. Mm. What annoys me more than the show are huge fans of the show that don't even really understand why they're laughing. They just why do you like Family Guy? Because it's random. Mm. Like, why is that? There's nothing funny about just a baseless reference. It's just completely random. It's only if there's like a clever 
witty context for a reference that do what will I actually find it funny. So what I was expecting from Ted was basically a family guy-ish film, but that would basically push the sort of crude elements of Family Guy even further in a way that they al- would be allowed to do in film, mm. but they can't in TV. I think in some ways it is Family Guy-ish. I think Ted is quite hit and miss with its gags, mm. but there's more of a story there. It's not just one-liner after one-liner, and the misses weren't really that annoying. Mm. Like, there were jokes that didn't land for me, but I didn't really get irritated when watching Ted. And the jokes that were sort of pushing the boundaries, I actually thought, for the most part, worked in Ted. There was someone dropped the C-bomb and it was quite funny. There was a 9-11 joke, which I actually thought was quite clever. One of the better Mm. jokes in the film. And so some of the edgy comedy in Ted, I actually think was some of the strong moments in the film. Yeah. um, With Ted compared to Family Guy, I I had, I guess, two sides to the coin for me on this. And one side of the coin is I was expecting it to be fairly family guy. It's just gag after gag after gag after gag sort of thing, just um, maybe not random, maybe more pop culture reference stuff, but just stuff like that where they just keep them rolling and things. And I was very impressed that Seth MacFarlane actually showed restraint. He had, like, a story that he was building these gags around. There actually was some long chunks of the film where there weren't really gags. It was just about the relationships and about the characters, and he was able to develop the characters a bit better through that. So... Like, I actually think I was really impressed with him for a first-time director to have put a film together that's got a fairly uh, g- good story uh, and showed some restraint that you don't see in Family Guy. So I was pretty impressed with that. On the other side of the coin, there were, like, ten-minute blocks without, like, any jokes in the film. And I was sitting, like, you know, a few times I was checking my watch going, oh, I was expecting to be laughing a bit more during this. So I was expecting a few more gags and jokes. So part of me I'm was... Due. I'm due yeah, for a come laugh on, about Come now. on. Yeah, come on, Seth. <laughs> Throw in some reference or something. So penciled one in yeah. at <laughs> So it was sort of weird. So, like, on one hand, I was impressed by his restraint, and the other hand, I was like going, oh, I feel like I'll laugh a bit more in a Family Guy episode. So... I was a bit in two minds about that. I think at the end of the day, I was more impressed than frustrated. So, Matt, now moving on to one of our favourite segments. What has Blank taught us? Mm. This week, what has Ted taught you? Ted has taught me that um, an aquarium is an appropriate venue to break up with a friend. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to break up with a friend, take them to the aquarium so that they can uh, look at fish after you've broken up with them. Uh, do you want to go to the aquarium today? <laughs> Take you to the aquarium. We'll have a chat. If your need. friend invites you to the aquarium, <laughs> yes, be, be worried. worried. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Bass, do you want to uh, go to the uh, aquarium today? Uh, we need to talk about something. Are you actually asking Baz to the aquarium? That would be a way to get his invite to the aquarium, <laughs> listening to the podcast. Well... What's the chance of him listening to this podcast? I think like, I'm going to have to call him and ask him to the aquarium at the end. That would be worse. You call him, ring him, ask him to listen to the podcast to get the aquarium. Should invite. I call him now on speakerphone and ask him to the aquarium? Let's see what he says. Hello? Oh, g'day, Bass. It's Matt here. Hey, how's that? Good. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to go to the aquarium at some point. Yeah, we need to talk about something. 
Um, yeah, next time you're in Sydney, can we go to the aquarium? The aquarium? Sure, why? Oh, wait. Oh, I need to talk to you about it there. I can't talk to you about it there. You can't talk to me about it except at the aquarium. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It's like, it'll make sense when we're there. You're on the podcast. We're talking about the movie Ted. Are you telling me that I was like in the middle of important work? (laughs) As you must know that I'm at work. (laughs) Yeah, we thought you might be at work. During the day is for something important. But in fact, it's for a gag on your podcast. Is that yeah. what I'm being told right now? Well, if you're doing busy work, I would have assumed that you weren't, you wouldn't answer your phone. It would be yeah, funny if Baz got so upset that he, like, broke up the friendship. And you'd be like, wow, just even referencing the aquarium did all the work for me. Okay, but now I need, now that you've interrupted my work, I need you guys' help. Like, I need to account for this time. Oh, so you okay. tell me who I should build. Like, how can I build this to a client? We're not, the screen podcast isn't getting billed for this call, are they? <laughs> So, uh, to all listeners of the podcast, this uh, law firm does not sound like where you want to be going to for business. Uh, pretty, pretty ridiculous rates. You've got to give us a good price, and then people hear, "Oh, good price! Bill- good billable hours." Then. Good price. Okay. Blood from a stone, Baz. Blood from a stone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so- sorry, Bass. Sorry, Bass. We're losing you. Okay. Bye. Oh, got rid of him pretty easily. So. Um, Jonathan, uh, what did Ted teach you? Well, Matt, Ted taught me a fair amount of Flash Gordon trivia. Mm. This is not something I've watched. No. Uh, didn't expect to be referenced, uh, in a popular movie. And I think it did quite a lot for, Mm. uh, Flash Gordon and his, uh, (laughs) awareness of him in, uh, Mm. today's pop culture. As I said, I didn't really like just random references in Family Guy. But I thought that this being such an integral part of the story was actually quite funny. Mm. The terrible show with a football player that saves the universe, and we have that song playing over again, mm. and it's like, Flash! Ah. Yeah. <laughs> was pretty comical and pretty informative. Yeah, no, and I guess we've been getting into superheroes a bit recently with Spider-Man and uh, the Dark Knight and things, so it's good to learn about a new one, <laughs> one that we weren't aware of, didn't know as much about. Yeah, so uh, I know Bass was pretty excited to hear our verdict for this movie. Are you? Well, I know my verdict. <laughs> and you kind of give verdicts all the time. It's hard for me to be that excited to <laughs> yeah, hear what okay. you think about something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, you're not that excited for mine, so let's start off with yours. What do you, <laughs> what do you want to hear? What, what screen verdict are you giving this film? Ted's pretty short. Uh, it's pretty simple, but it's pretty entertaining. You kind of go with it, go with the premise, don't question why a bear is talking too much. There's enough sort of one-liners to keep you entertained. The hit ratio is is decent, but not great. In terms of the plot developments, I don't think anything that interesting happens. There's a bit towards the end that just drags on forever, even though you know what's going to happen. I definitely prefer this to Family Guy. I didn't actually think I'd like Ted that mm-hmm. much, yeah. but uh, I think it was worth the uh, 90 or so minutes that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I gave up to see it. I'll give Ted a 
6.5 out of 10. Okay. I thought uh, Ted was a really nice nice film for Seth MacFarlane's first. It, uh, I think, had uh, some good characters, a good story. Uh, it was enjoyable. It was fairly funny. But I wouldn't say any of these things were great. Like, I think it was a good movie, not a great movie. I sort of looked at the cinema going, oh, yeah, that was sort of an enjoyable 90 minutes, but not one that I was laughing heaps or not even I was heaps invested in. We, of course, have a, a Return of Jafar moment uh, thrown <laughs> in there that's uh, drawn out perhaps a little long, uh, a little long. Yeah, and a few bits of this film I just found like we were a bit long and, and dry. For what, at the end of the day, was a fairly standard love story. Like, the characters are a little bit different, but the general story was fairly... I've seen it before. So I'll also give it a 6.5. I think that's a reasonable, reasonable score. So now our housekeeping. We love the housekeeping. Very popular segment. And uh, I think it's going to be maybe one of our more popular uh, segments this week because we're talking about a film that uh, a lot of people have been talking about, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, we are obviously uh, recording this week's podcast in an undisclosed location after Jonathan last week slamming The Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> giving it a terrible review, and we've been uh, very scared of all those Rotten Tomato users all week. But we've got a bit of a first, I think, for this podcast. I am wanting to review my review. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm wanting to amend the score I gave The Dark Knight Rises last week. Is this allowed? I'd be willing to allow it. I, I want to see where this goes. <laughs> okay. Are we setting a dangerous precedent here? We can any, any rule that provides the opportunity for you to bump up your drive score, your ridiculously <laughs> low seven, which you gave to drive, uh, I could be talked around uh, into allowing. Okay. The more I've thought about The Dark Knight Rises the past week, uh, the more I have realised that this was not a very good movie. Um, <laughs> it's just, I think I was caught up in the Batmania of, like, it being released. Swept away, because what did I give it again? Nine out of ten. Nine That's pretty 10. high. It's like, I think on par with the highest score I've given any movie on this podcast, and uh, it, it clearly is not that good. Look, I don't think it's a terrible film. I don't think it's a bad film. But it's just not a very, very good film. It's not a great film. It's definitely not a 9 out of 10. Look, I touched on a lot of the things that frustrated me about this film last week. So when I probably said 9 at the end, it did surprise people. And uh, probably rightly so. But there were problems we didn't even touch on. The fact that a lot of characters just seem to bump into each other in such a large <laughs> city without warning. The, the, the fact that there's a terrorist attack on the stock exchange and the very next day the headline on the newspaper is about Bruce Wayne's investments, not about the terrorist <laughs> attack that led to a police chase and things in the stock exchange. The very fact that uh, investments that counted on a day there'd been a terrorist attack in the stock exchange uh that, that, that that's the market accepted those investments that were made is insane and completely important the fact we didn't talk about that stock exchange scene uh is, is a little bit shocking batman when there was a very strict time limit took the time to construct a uh giant sort of light on one of the buildings or bridges or something uh to light up a bat signal 
the fact that he, you know, that would have taken probably a good six hours of the 18 hours. He six hours? Like, That's ridiculous. He he's Batman. He could have done that in, like, ten minutes. How do you, like, pour gasoline on the side of a building in the shape of a bat? He's Batman. He just swings around it on his throws it, throws it up there. Wide with his wings. Did he even have a grappling hook in this movie? Like, <laughs> did he have anything other than, like, yeah. The, the fact that a surprising number of people seem to know who Batman was and not really be that interested <laughs> or, like, it not really to affect anything at all. Yeah, th- this is not a... Gr- there's just so many problems with the storyline. It's just so, like, messy in some ways. I've got to give it a lower score than a nine. So what are you amending it to, Matt? Um, I am going to give it a seven. Dropped it two whole points. Yeah. In related Batman news, oh yeah, on the podcast you brought up Batman the animated series. Yeah, me and Bass, big fans of that. And I remember liking it as a kid, but I hadn't seen it in many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I asked you afterwards, "Is it actually that good?" And you said the good episodes. That you said that some of them were a bit, aimed a little bit a more little for bit kids. Kiddie, yeah. But the better episodes, you'd rate them nine out of ten. Yeah, I think they're great. Like I think they they are the standard for Batman, to be honest. So I didn't agree with your 9 out of 10 Dark Knight Rises score. Yeah, you didn't know. So I was interested to see whether I'd agree with your 9 out of 10 Batman the well, Animated I Series score. I didn't even agree with my Dark Knight Rises 9 out of 10 score. So this week I tried to hunt down some episodes of yeah. Batman the Animated Series. And the first episode I watched was the pilot. Okay. On Leather Wings, it's okay. called. okay. It sucked. It was so bad. Like, it was awful. I don't really remember that one very well, so you could be rocked. I... I... There's heaps of cheesy dialogue. There's some weird bat creature that's going oh, around. Yes, now, that's yeah, okay. Getting Batman in trouble, but it's not actually Batman doing the bad stuff. He takes a sample of something to a lab, and just the lab that he happens to go to is where the person who is the bat creature happens to be. Yeah. yeah, 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 okay. So I was like, okay. I vaguely remember that. One. I was like, there's a lot of episodes. There's like 60 episodes in season one. I'll yeah. find a good one. Did some research on who all the nerds on the internet thought were the best episodes okay. of Batman. You didn't ask me what my favourite episode was. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and one episode that came up on all the lists was one that's called Almost Got Him, where okay. Joker, Killer Croc, Penguin, Two-Face and Poison Ivy are playing a game of poker. And oh, my tell God. Stories. That's not one of the best. That's, all, that's a, It's a fun one, but it's, like, very kiddish. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they all go. tell stories of how they almost got Batman, yeah. and then Batman comes into the uh, episode yeah. somehow towards the end of the episode. Like, that was, like, watchable, yeah. but it wasn't good. Like, yeah. I well and truly wasted my time on the first episode, and that one was just about worth watching, spending 20 minutes on, yeah. but did not encourage me to watch any more episodes of Batman the Animated Series ever again. Yeah, that, 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 that is one of the ones I would say. I definitely remember that one as a kid, and I liked that one as a kid because it had all the villains in, but it was one I would describe as a very kiddie episode. I would tell you to watch the Two-Face two-parter, where Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face. It seems to me like fans of Batman, like me, because I like Batman, and I wanted to find something Batman-related that I liked, play the video games. If you can get your hands on Batman Arkham Asylum, Batman Arkham City, they're good. Yeah, I've 
I haven't played the whole game, but I've gone to friends' houses and played. That's a fun game. And they actually have the voices from the animated series, yeah. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, doing yeah. an amazing job as the Joker. Yeah. So you like the voices in the animated series? Yeah, it was the story. It was the story in the right. Yeah. So here we go. I've got my homework for the week. We hope you guys enjoy your week. And next week on the podcast, a bit of a special one, Screen Verdict's 50th. We're our 50th podcast. It's turning 50. Yeah. Feeling old. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got a real treat for our 50th um, podcast, something uh, very exciting that I think people have been waiting for for a while. People may remember we did a rank of the top 20 sitcom characters of the past 20 years. Got people talking. Huge response. People upset with us. Some people liked the pick, some people yeah. didn't. Yeah, no, I think it was a pick in there everyone liked and a pick in there everyone probably didn't. So it got, got really ruffled some feathers. So we thought we'll uh, stir the pot again for our 50th. We're going to do the top 20 drama characters of the past 20 years. So you go, guys. Get thinking about some of your favourite drama shows, some of the uh, the classics of the last 20 years, maybe Sopranos, West Wing, whatever you're into, think about some of your favourite characters and uh, see where they make it on our list yep. next week. Post suggestions on our wall if you would like, on our Facebook wall. Feel free to do that. We'll have a good idea, but if anyone suggests anything, yeah. could be something we, we overlooked or we'll, we'll have a think about them, see whether yeah. they deserve a spot on the list. It'll be interesting. So... Mm. Look forward to that, guys, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.